If you'll please take your Bibles and turn in them to Matthew chapter 7. And we actually have pew Bibles now, so if you look there in the chair underneath you, you can turn to page 812 to find Matthew chapter 7. Again, if you're visiting with us today, and by way of reminder to Cornerstone folks, we preach through God's Word expositionally. We go verse by verse, passage by passage. We don't do topical preaching. I'm just not crafty enough to do that, sorry. Um, And this is not the passage I would pick for the first Sunday in a new building. (laughs) But it is God's Word. We believe all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, and training in righteousness. And so let us just, by way of reminder, be faithful to the preaching and teaching of God's Word because it is powerful, it speaks to us. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6 is our passage this morning. This is God's holy, inerrant, authoritative Word to us this morning. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let's pray. Father, these words of the Lord Jesus are difficult and even hard to understand and even harder to apply. And so we ask the Holy Spirit would now come and teach us, would apply the truth here to our hearts and to our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This teaching from our Lord Jesus is part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's chapters 5 through 7. And we've been studying this for some months now, looking at kingdom living, what God's marching orders are for the people in his kingdom, for Christians, for his followers. This passage, though, before us, Jesus gets a little more stern with us. He's very direct. Uh, This can even come across as a rebuke. This teaching, though, reminds me of another story in the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, our adult Sunday school classes are now studying 2 Samuel, and the weeks ahead, they'll get to chapter 12. But in anticipation of that, there's a story told for us there about King David in 2 Samuel chapter 12 that I want to read for you now. And the Lord sent Nathan, who was a prophet to Israel, to King David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from the cup and lie in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. 
Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are that man. Nathan had come to confront, to judge David on a very sinful action that had taken place in his life. David, King David, had committed adultery. And then furthermore, he had had this woman's husband, whom he committed adultery with, murdered. Had him put on the front line of the battlefield so that he would sure die. David's power had gone to his head. But the sad thing is about that story and what David had done is he had actually failed to see the sin in his life. And after this moment of judgment, after Nathan came and confronted and judged David, David was broken. David had seen the plank, the log, in his own eye. And so that episode, his great sin, occasioned him to write Psalm 51 that we read as a confession earlier in the service. We should easily see ourselves in David's life. We too fail to see the great sin that is sometimes in our life. And so here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, Jesus means to address this for us. And so he uses these aphorisms, these memorable sayings, these pithy sayings to, to teach us a lesson here. He's going to teach his, his disciples and these these words of his come across like proverbs. They're, they're wise proverbs, wise sayings for us. But we do also need to note, as I prayed earlier, these words of Jesus are very difficult to understand, and very difficult to apply, and so they must be properly interpreted. And we must also be careful, especially as Christians, not to use these words beyond what they were meant to. I have seen and you have seen before Christians misuse and misapply the word of God to bring wrongful judgment on people. And so that is why, as the famous pastor J.C. Ryle said, it is possible to press the words of the Bible so far that they yield not medicine, but poison. We do not want these words to be poison. We want them to be medicine to God's people and to all of people. And so in this passage, Jesus is teaching his disciples one very important thing. We're to have discerning judgment. We're to have discerning judgment toward ourselves and toward others. And so Jesus is teaching us here three things that we're going to look at this morning. First, Christians are not to be judgmental. Christians are not to be judgmental. Secondly, Christians are not to be hypocritical. And thirdly, Christians are to practice discerning judgment. Let's look at these three things. First is Christians are not to be judgmental. In verse 1, we find a very practical principle, in fact, a command from our Lord Jesus where he says, judge not that you be not judged. This is a command, judge not. 
For us to understand what Jesus is teaching, it's important that we understand what this command does not mean. So let's flush that out a little bit, what Jesus does not mean in light of his teaching here and other scriptures. Jesus is not forbidding the institution of a law court, okay? He's not saying that uh, Christians are not to participate in any type of court or uh, any type of lawsuit or anything like that. You're welcome, lawyers. There you go. Um, This context does not refer to that. We're not talking about judges in a court of law, but rather Jesus is referring to our responsibility as his followers, as his disciples, to love our neighbor as ourself. That's what Jesus is referring to here. Jesus is also not forbidding us in any and all circumstances never to pass judgment or to give opinions on the sinful actions of others. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not telling his disciples to turn a blind eye toward the actions of others. Rather, Jesus is condemning an overly critical or judgmental spirit toward others. Disciples are to discern, are to know the difference between good and evil, truth and error, but there's a proper way to do this. There's a loving way to do that. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. It's also important to realize that Jesus is not saying that we are never to use biblical discerning judgment. We have seen before, we have talked before, that Christians, followers in Christ, are to be downright weird. We're to be different from this world. There's something to be very different about who we are and how we present ourselves and live in this world. And most commonly, this can be lived out by Christians using discerning judgment. Not following the ways of the world, but having a righteousness, Jesus says, that surpasses even that of the Pharisees. We are seeking to be Christ-like in all that we do. So here, when Jesus says, judge not, this is a command that forbids pronouncing another person guilty before God because God is the judge not man. It is God who judges the hearts and lives of all people, not mankind. Yes, we do make judgments. Yes, we do. We do judge others and their actions, but we judge ourselves as well, and we realize that God is the judge of all mankind. You've heard it said, don't judge me, or it's not up to you to judge. You've, said, you've heard it said, and perhaps you've said that. I know that I have. But that's not the application that we're to make here from these words of Jesus. For if we made this conclusion, then that would mean that we would treat good and evil the same way and that we would treat immorality with indifference. And we're not to do that. The whole counsel of God's word does not teach this. We do judge. We do make judgments all the time. But we are not called to be judgmental and critical toward others. So what does Jesus mean here? Essentially, Jesus is is instructing his disciples not to be judgmental. There is a difference between making discerning judgment and being judgmental. We're not called to be excessively critical or judgmental in our point of view or in our attitude toward others. Being a Christian does not give you a right to be a jerk to anyone. 
Jesus' warning here is of being hypercritical. It means his followers are not to be excessive in their judgment and call it being zealous for the Lord. I had a, a former student who is now a man, and I remember when he was a new Christian, when he came to know the Lord and he really wanted to walk with the Lord, but he also wanted to share Christ and be an example to his friends. And so he wanted to really just keep living his life like he normally did. And one of the things he loved to do with his, his friends was not get in trouble and not go out being rambunctious and silly, but he wanted to go shoot pool with them. <clears throat> and so they had pool halls that they liked to go visit. And so one day after they had had a round of pool, he called me up and said, hey, can I come meet with you? I could tell that he was very disturbed and very troubled in his spirit. And the reason was is there was some Christians standing outside the pool hall, holding up their Bibles and yelling at them, if you go in there, you're a sinner and you are going to hell. He was very troubled by this. He, he didn't understand. And by God's grace, I got the chance to explain to him, no, no. You're not going to hell for shooting pool <laughs> or playing foosball or ping pong, whatever else the youth have down there. <laughs> Unless you're disturbing the reformers class. No, I'm kidding. But that's not, that's being, that's, that's what Jesus is talking about here. That's that hypercritical, judgmental attitude that thinking that you have a right to stand on the corner and yell at people for being sinful. More on that here in a moment. Not only are we not to be judgmental and realize that we are not the ones to judge the hearts of others, we need to realize that we too, all people, especially Christians, we're among the judged. We will be judged. Everyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's what Jesus says there in verse 2. For with the judgment you pronounced, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it will be measured to you. The very mention of judgment or being judged by God makes folks very uncomfortable. Many times in the Sermon on the Mount, we've, we've emphasized over and over that God is a, a loving Father. He's a, he's a heavenly Father. But also we see in Scripture that God is a judge. And so it's hard to see God as both a judge and a loving heavenly Father. Are these two compatible? Can God be both judge and a heavenly father? Well, brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be either or. It's both. God is both. He is both judge and father. He is holy, holy, holy. Yet he is a loving father who loves his people. Even the mention of the word judgment and being judged may sound scary and offensive to you, but it doesn't have to be. For the believer, our judge is the, our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But for the non-believer, your life does depend on you entrusting yourself to the Lord Jesus, who does judge justly. And so Christians need to realize that we will all be judged, everybody, all people, no exceptions. Everyone will be judged by God. We will all have to stand before the judgment seat 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus makes this perfectly clear over and over in his gospels and in his teaching. And so our call is to be ready. To be ready to meet our Savior and our judge. Again, Jesus is not calling us to be blind towards sin, okay? He's not calling us to just ignore the sin in others. We are to be spiritually discerning. We do need to make good judgments. But rather, Jesus is calling us to renounce our presumptuous ambition to be God by setting ourselves up to be the Almighty and the judge. God is the judge. He is the one who judges the hearts of mankind. Do you know this judge? Are you ready to meet this judge? Christians are not to be judgmental. Secondly, Christians are not to be hypocritical. That's what Jesus explains to us here in verses 3 through 5. He gives us an illustration to apply the principle. John Stott says this about Jesus' illustration here. Here is another reason we are unfit to be judges. Not only because we are fallible humans and not God, but also because we are fallen humans. In other words, because of the fall of mankind into sin, we are all born sinners. None of us, Christians and non-Christians alike, are in a position to stand in judgment over other sinners. No one but God is qualified to judge. No one but God is perfect. And so Jesus uses an illustration here from the carpenter shop. Jesus grew up the son of a Jewish carpenter. And so here you can see clearly where he gets his illustration from, his, perhaps his father's nice carpentry shop. We should apply this to ourselves. So this is what Jesus means here by this passage. We should apply to ourselves first a strict critical standard before we dare help others. We must deal with the huge log in our own lives before we try to deal with the dust in others. Only then do we judge with discernment and do so humbly and gently. We cannot be censoring the sin in others when we fail to censor the sin in our own hearts. What Jesus means here, you can't go looking for specks of dust in people's eyes when you've got a plank, you've got a log, you've got a two-by-four hanging out of your own eye. This is not a call to worry about your own problems and do not concern yourselves with others. No, this is a call for us to deal first with our own hearts, for us to deal with our own shortcomings. And then we show love to our neighbors by showing them the sin that is in their lives. But we must remember, this is not Jesus telling us to just ignore the sin in other people's lives. Because in fact, it's, it's not loving to ignore sin in a brother or sister or a friend's life. It's not loving to not confront our neighbors on the utter destruction they are causing in their lives. We must judge. We must do so lovingly. You know, the church is full of hypocrites. Perhaps you've heard folks say that. I have. I've actually said it myself. 
The fact of the matter is the statement is true. The church is full of hypocrites because the church is full of sinners. The church is full of people who oftentimes sin by being hypercritical and and judgmental toward others. And the reason we are this way is because we fail to look into the mirror and see our own sin. We fail to see the, the ugliness of sin in our own lives. We have failed to see our own guilt and our own wrongdoing. We have failed to see the plank, the log in our own eyes. And Jesus knows this. He recognizes this. And so Jesus means to train his disciples, to teach his disciples, to help us with our hypocritical natures. He wants to show us a gospel way, a loving way of dealing with sin in our hearts and in our lives and loving our neighbors well. So what is Jesus teaching here? Christian, beware of your hypocrisy. Beware of your hypocrisy. Judge your own heart and lives first. Sinclair Ferguson says, to have strong feelings about the sins of others that are not matched by a ruthless dealing with our own sins is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. And Christians are not to be hypocritical. Unfortunately, though, whenever someone seeks to come to us and counsel us or give us correction or perhaps rebuke us because of some sin in our lives, we immediately put up this defense mechanism, don't we? Don't, don't judge me. Don't, don't tell me what to do. But the truth is, we will all be judged. We will all stand before the judgment seat and we will all need We all need to be called into account for our sin. While we're on this earth, we need brothers and sisters that love us to point sin out in our lives that we're blind to. We need it. We need it. And so that's why, lastly, we see here that Christians are to practice discerning judgment. Christians are to practice discerning judgment. The most important way that a Christian should practice Discerning judgment is to be gentle. Gentle. Ooh, I'm the chief of sinners on this. I've been hard on y'all the last few weeks, especially in the pulpit. I'm hard on my friends. I'm hard on my family. But to others, we, we all, we need to be gentle. Christians are not to be judgmental or harsh, but gentle. Gentleness is the call for God's people. Gentleness is the the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to just a few of these verses from the Scriptures that talk about the call to be gentle. Galatians 6.1 Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Ephesians 4.1 and 2, Paul says... I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. In 1 Timothy 6.11, But as for you, O man of God, flee all these things, all these sinful things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord, as holy, 
Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I've seen Christians use that verse and they just take that one line out of there. Always be prepared to give a reason to tell anyone how sinful they are. And they ignore that last line. But do it with gentleness and respectfulness. Christians are called to be gentle. When it comes to discerning judgment, that is what Jesus wants us to do. That's who he wants us to be, gentle, gentle. When it also comes to discerning judgment, Jesus also has an important clarification for his followers in verse 6. Do not give to dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What in the world does that mean? (laughs) Is that not one of the weirdest lines you've read in the Bible? But Jesus has a teaching here for us. He has a principle. He's he's trying to actually clarify what he said in verse 1. Rather than being judgmental and harsh toward others, Jesus is teaching us that we're to exercise good judgment and discrimination over our judgments. Being judgmental and harsh toward others is prohibited. But exercising gentleness and discerning right judgment is recommended. It's commanded by him. So again, these words are they're hard to understand. They're, they're, they're almost cryptic, what Jesus is saying here. But what he is teaching here is that not everyone is going to be grateful or excited about you criticizing them. <laughs> not everyone is just going to love you coming and being judgmental toward them. I raised my hand first on that one. Not everyone is going to love you sharing the gospel with them. There are those who hate criticism. There are those who hate being judged. Because no one likes to be told that they're wrong. No one likes to be told that they're sinning. Me especially. But there are also those who mistreat what is holy. There are those who do not appreciate the the pearls of wisdom and the great treasures of the gospel. And so Jesus says, do not give to dogs what is holy or throw your pearls before pigs or swine. So, So who are the pigs? Who are the dogs? This seems rather harsh and condescending language here by our Lord. What does he mean here? Well, Jesus is using provocative language. He's using very illustrative language and examples here to get his point across. There are those who act like animals. There are those who act with disdain toward the followers of Christ and and toward the message of Christ. There are folks who have had all the opportunity in the world to receive the good news, but they have sternly, decisively, and even defiantly rejected the gospel. So Jesus says we are to use discernment when sharing the pearls of biblical wisdom. It's not for everybody. Not everybody can handle rebuke and correction. This teaching of Jesus, though, it's kind of to be the exception and not the rule. We're not to use this verse as a reasoning for not sharing the gospel. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. 
It should be very rare that we literally give up on witnessing and sharing with others and offering the pearls of the gospel to them. But we must do, we must use discernment. The truth is, Jesus told his disciples that the message of the good news, it will be rejected. It will be trampled on. And this is heartbreaking. But this is the cost of discipleship. This is what Jesus warned us would happen when we follow him. So these teachings by our Lord Jesus, they're, they're hard. They're hard to understand. They're hard to apply. And they're, they're hard to apply in a godly way. And so, Lord, help us. Help us, please. We need great wisdom and great discernment from the Holy Spirit and from these teachings of Jesus to make proper application. And that is why, in here in just a moment, we will sing, Jesus, cast a look on me. And as you sing this song, let it be a reminder to you to sing and to pray. As one of the lines in that verse, in that song says, Make me poor, keep me low, help me be gentle, seeking only thee to know. Because our judge is our savior. He has saved us, he has loved us. And let us all be reminded that the big judge, the ultimate judge, is also our Savior. He is the one who lived a perfect life, who died a perfect death. And when we stand there before the judgment seat of Christ, we will not stand there in our good works. We cannot stand there and say, Lord, I, I hope all these good things outweigh our, my bad things. We can't. It won't work. We stand there in his righteousness. And we entrust ourselves to him who judges justly. To him who loved us. To the Lord Jesus who died for us. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for where we have been judgmental and critical and excessive in our judgment toward others. And we ask that you would teach us, that you would teach us the way of gentleness, that you would show us that we have been forgiven of everything in Christ. And so we must forgive and judge others lovingly, because that is what our Savior has done for us. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for Jesus. We love him and we praise him. In his name that we pray. Amen.